so by way of introduction, my name is Babs Francisco. Well, Babalola, that's the full name. Um, Babs for short, it's fine. Um, again, I do feel privileged to stand before you this morning to share God's word. Um, I joined BCC on the 3rd of April, 2011. Now, I'm not very great with dates and all of that, but I had to go and check this out because I remembered it was the very first Sunday in April of 2011. And I was introduced to this church by none other uh, than my very ever so patient wife. She was in the first service. She was, she's not here now. Uh, we've been married for 15 years and God's been faithful to us. Um, and God's blessed us with a beautiful daughter. I'm sure. Um, and I, I'm asking your permission to be a bit political here now. Now, I'm sure the mothers, the wives, the sisters, the aunties, all the beautiful ladies in the house would agree with me that the women are the best at being positive influencers on the men in their life. How many people agree with that? <laughs> anyway, we're proud parents to a beautiful daughter, Oreolua, means God's gift. Um, and this is the interesting conversation that happens in my household. My daughter believes that mommy is her best friend and daddy is her credit and debit card. Now, this is the interesting, how many, how many people relate to that? Okay, good. Now, this is the interesting bit. I'm not sure that my wife and I agree in its entirety because my wife would always say to her, I'm your mother, I'm not your friend. Now, on my part, my response is usually, um, why do I have to pay for that? You're the one needing it, I don't need it. And anybody want to hazard a guess what the response will be? I'll save you the hassle. I'm going to read it because I want to get it right. Because you're the adult, children don't get to pay for things. <laughs> so that's about me, my family. Um, in my secular calling, I'm a, I'm a HR professional. Um, but I want to open today's message on the healing of the centurion servant with a story of a very dear friend. Um, I'm hoping that he's up and he's watching on the live stream. Um, but when I say dear friend, I mean a dear friend. He's a very dear friend to me. We met when we were young. Um, we met at the teens and 20s church in my local church back home. That was about 30 years ago. Don't bother to try to do the calculation. <laughs> now, you know, at that time, both of us had given our lives to Christ. We thank God for what God was doing in our lives. Um, we were influencers to the teenage and the early 20s uh, church at the time. And we would all go on to do great things in our lives. Um, we both went off to university and we would come back to our local church to encourage each other. And God has been faithful and God still remains faithful in our lives. Um, as I mentioned, I've got my family. I talk about my secular calling. Um, my friend will go on to become uh, a medical doctor, a pediatrician. Um, he's married and he's blessed with two lovely children. So you get the story. Things seem to kind of go well and okay. Now, Fast forward to January 2021. I remembered sitting at my dining table. That was COVID, that COVID plus or COVID plus plus time. I sat there at my uh, dining table. I was walking away and I got a text message from him. 
And one thing with my friend, he speaks medical terms. Now, I keep reminding him, look, Vincent, I don't understand medical terms. But to break it down and to go straight to the point, he was diagnosed of adenocarcinoma of the lungs at that time. I picked up the phone, we had a quick chat, he was just processing it, we couldn't really talk for long. At that very minute, it hadn't been staged yet. I would get to know um, by the end of that day that it was at stage four. Now, I'm not saying that I understand in its fullest the pains that he is going through or he has gone through and he's still going through now. But I empathize, why? Because we've grown up together from teenagers. I don't know if I mentioned, I met him when, he was six, when I was 16 and he was 17. So we've grown together, we've been through a lot together, we've matured and all of that. So I do empathize, you know, with what he's going through. But what's my point? I'm going somewhere this morning and I want you to kind of follow me through as I go into God's word. This story is not to dampen your spirit in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, I am going somewhere with the story of the healing of the centurion servant. As most of us would appreciate, stage four is seen as the final stage. But I want to say to you, two years down the line, my friend is still alive. He's fighting strong, he's fighting fit, he's still alive. Sometime in late 2021, he was told point blank, you've got three months to leave. This is 2023. He is still alive. Hallelujah. Church, hallelujah. And let me remind you, please feel free to be church this morning. Let's do the hallelujahs. Let's do the amens. Amen. Amen. But I want, I want to seize this opportunity to ask the church to join me, that even though my friend, his name is Vincent, he's not here with us, he might be watching on a live stream right now, he's not physically here, wouldn't it be great that BCC lifting him up in prayer actually is the start of that miracle that we have been trusting God for? Anyone wants to join me in praying? Let's bow our head and pray for Vincent. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Father, thank you. Thank you for Vincent, and thank you for BCC joining their faith with mine and with that of Vincent as we pray for him this morning. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. We declare healing. Just as you sent your word, Lord, and it healed the centurion servant, we ask that where Vincent is right now, you will send your word and you will cause there to be healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, BCC. 
That's why I love BCC. It's my home. I remember saying to someone, when I came into BCC, I felt that this was home. And I mean it. I felt like I heard it. This is home. And that's why we've been here ever since. And God has blessed us here. To the series that we're looking at, the miracle series, I have been personally blessed through all of the messages. At some point, I actually thought of actually doing a quick recap of whatever it said, and I found out, look, you're practically preaching everybody's message again. But I believe that Pastor Nick's message last week was a great segue to the story of my friend Vincent this morning. Why do I think so? I see us. I see myself and everyone sat here in church today joining me like the friends of the paralyzed man, opening the roof to let Vincent down before God and say, do this, Lord. You've always done it, and you will do it again. We have put ourselves in a position where we are setting the conditions for the healing of my friend. Apart from that, one key theme that resonated all throughout the messages that I've listened to in this series is a key theme that kept coming back over and over again. It's not just about the miracles. Actually, the ultimate miracle is the miracle of salvation. Amen. Are we looking at the raising of the son of the widow of Nain? Or are we looking at the raising of Lazarus from the dead? Or let's move to healings now. Are we looking at the healing of the woman with the issue of blood? Are we looking at the story of the blind man that was healed? Are we looking at the leper or the paralyzed man? Or even the centurion servant that I'm about to speak about? There is a clear parallel drawn in all cases to the salvation of the soul of mankind. And I'll, and I'll use some scriptures to kind of back that up to bring that alive to us. For me, I believe that all of these miracles, Jesus was using it to illustrate to us the path to salvation. Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. Even when we were dead in sin, dead, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. Jesus, raising the dead, pointing to what? Salvation. Mark 2, 17 says, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole need no need of a physician, but they that are sick. And he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Healing, basically. And God, and Jesus is actually using that to illustrate the path to salvation. Could I remind us of, of Kevin's message a few weeks ago? Three, four, five weeks ago, I think. There were three key reasons for miracle that Kevin exposed to us. Number one, it was to glorify God, or miracles are there to glorify God. Number two, draw people to God, salvation. And third, to save the lost, again, salvation. Could I seize this minute to encourage us as a church to actually see what the scripture is saying to us through all of these miracles? That the ultimate miracle, again, is the miracle of salvation. That Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary for the remission of my sin, your sin, and everybody's sin, that's the ultimate miracle. And you know what? I am absolutely delighted that my friend, myself, and so many of us sat here today and listening on the live stream, 
have experienced the ultimate miracle, which is the miracle of salvation. Therefore, I want to challenge us to actually take our focus away from just miracles, healing, provision, whatever it is that we're looking to God for, and actually focus on one key person, one important person, Jesus, the miracle worker. Amen. In my challenging us today, um, you know, to kind of move away from all the healing that we need, the provisions that we want, I want to challenge us with Job's perspective. Job said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. So it's not about what I want to get. It's not about the gifts. It's about the giver. It's not about the provision. It's about the provider, Jesus. Amen. Let's be church. Let's feel free to say amen. Let me quickly move to the story of the miracle of the healing of the centurion servant. I know quite a lot of us have read the story. We might have had, you know, Bible studies. We might have done religious knowledge in school and all of that. But some, some things jumped out to me that I thought it's worth sharing with the church this morning or this afternoon. Sorry, I still think I'm in the first service. I'm used to coming to the first service, so pardon me. Right. The first thing that jumped out to me whilst I was looking at this story was that it was clear from Scripture that the centurion's servant was dear to the centurion. It's there in Scriptures. It's written in black and white. And the centurion, this is Luke 7 verse 2, and the centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And he heard of Jesus. He, referring to the centurion here, he sent elders the elders of the Jews, to beseech Jesus to come and heal his servant. It's absolutely clear that the centurion loved his servant dearly. That jumped out to me. And that kind of explains to me the reason why he will go all the way to go and beseech the elders, the Jewish elders, to speak to Jesus to come and heal his servant. The second thing, it was clear from scriptures that the centurion was well known to the Jewish elders. And there's something that really hit me. And I don't know if it's a message for someone sat here today. The centurion had credibility. Why do I say so? Let's go into scriptures. Luke 7, 45. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he, he referring to the centurion, was worthy for whom he should do this. Heal the servant. This is the commendation that the Jewish elders gave about the centurion for he loveth our nation and he has built us a synagogue now I don't know that might be the big thing that might be so important at that, at that point but one thing comes across to me the centurion had credibility that's why the Jewish elders could stand up and go to Jesus and speak on his behalf the next thing I want us to look at in the story of the healing of the centurion servant is the view and the understanding of the centurion about Jesus. And at this point, the first thing I want to talk about, there are two things, but the first thing is that the centurion understood the close parallel between military and spiritual authority. Luke 7, 6 and 8 actually you know, shows us this. 
Then when Jesus went with them, and then they saw, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying unto him, Trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Verse 8 is the critical point here. It says, For I am a man set under authority, and having under me soldiers. The centurion would have had about 100 soldiers at the time. And he was talking about, well, I tell that one to go, and he goes. I tell that one to come, and he comes. I tell that one to do this, and he does it. For me, I believe the key aspect of the story here is that the centurion understood the command culture completely. And that actually helps him to have amazing faith in Jesus. What's the point here? He sees Jesus as under the Father's authority. And basically, as he responds to his senior authority, he sees that God the Father grants the authority for miracles through Jesus and is displayed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So when we're praying and asking God for things and trusting him, it's basically that we're asking the Father to use his authority through Jesus for our benefit. Amen. Now, you may ask me, does Jesus have authority? Yes, he does. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Point two, the second thing that I looked at critically in this whole story, and I guess this is the part of it that most of us really relate to, the faith that the centurion had. Now, there is a common viewpoint. Now, if I say this, I'm sure most of us will relate. Seeing is believing. Anybody familiar with that? I guess sometimes we unconsciously say and do and react to that. Seeing is believing. Anybody remember Thomas in the Bible? Yeah. What was it about Thomas? Uh, The master is reason. Um, I don't believe you. For me to believe it, I need to see the master come in. Not only see the master come in, but I need to put my finger through the person. Then I will believe. But that's you know, the culture in the world we live in today. It's, you see it and you believe it. But I want to kind of turn that on its head because that's exactly what the centurion did. He, rather than go seeing is believing, he went, believing is seeing. Let's look at it in scripture. Luke 7, 7, 9 to 10. And I'll focus on verse 7. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. That's the centurion saying, look, don't come under my roof. And I don't think, I didn't count myself worthy to come to you. Hence why I sent the Jewish elders. He says something. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Again, what's he saying there? Believing is saying, I believe it that I will see it. Just say the word. Now, a key lesson to draw from the centurion is this, believing is seeing. And it simply goes to the heart of the fact that the worldview is countercultural to scriptures. Amen. Look, through and through the Bible, you see God says it and it's done. 
He's the one that called those things which were not as though they were. He says it, and it comes into existence. And this is the scripture that perfectly sums it up for me. And that's Mark eleven twenty three to 24. And I'll go straight to where it really hits hard on the point I'm making. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, follow me now, believe. Believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Believing is seeing. Amen. Faith, is, faith in Jesus is an essential part and an essential ingredient for the miraculous. I'm trusting God for the complete healing of my friend Vincent. And I know sat here in this auditorium today is represented different things that we're looking to God for. That we're trusting God to bring the miraculous into action for in our lives. You know, I love the emphasis that Phil placed um, on the centrality of hope in faith during this series uh, when he was preaching on the woman with the issue of blood. And you know what? I love my faith scriptures. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It didn't stop there. I'll go to verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that must come to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Come on, church. What's the point I'm making this morning? Absolute faith is a prerequisite when you're looking to God for the miraculous. Church, could I digress for a moment and challenge us that our miracles come from God? Amen. 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 Listen to me. I know that sometimes as human beings, we want to trust in something. We want to trust in a man. We want to trust in the man of God. We want to trust in a prophet. We want to trust in an apostle. But can I just bring our focus back to what scripture is saying to us, which is trust in God. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a place for the man. There's a place for the man of God. There's a place for the prophet. There's a place, you know, for the apostles. But they are vessels that God is using. And we need to take our focus away from the vessels. Take our focus away from the provisions and the miracles that we want. And focus on the miracle worker. Amen. Amen. Now I'm coming to the core of what was on my heart to share with the church on this. Having talked about the healing of the centurion servant. Can I take some water? <laughs> Amen. Now, this is what, kind of looking at, again, going back to the story of my friend Vincent. We've been on the journey with him and the number of friends that have surrounded him over the past two years. And there have been times that things have looked really bleak. I mentioned that at some point they said he had only three months and he's still here. 
Um, and there's been some highs. There's some provisions that God has done. I remembered God actually opening a door for, you know, treatment, what, $60,000 plus? He got it free. Um, he's had various treatments. He had chemotherapy, radiotherapy, immunotherapy. And we've had different results. Some have been, oh, that's encouraging. Yes, that's what we want to see. And some have gone, no. Where am I going to with this? There are times in our lives we're all trusting God and believing him for a miracle. And it's not happening instantly. I've looked at all of the miracles. They happen instantly. You know, Jesus speaks the word and it happens. It you know, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years ran to Jesus and taught the M of the guy. It happened immediately. Virtue came out of Jesus. It was instant. But in the, in the world we live today, sometimes some things happen like that. Sometimes you have to wait. And that's where I'm going to. How do we get our bearings in the waiting times? Amen. How can we respond whilst we're trusting God? Whilst we're believing God for that open door, that success, that provision, how do we respond as believers? Number one, and I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to try to hit it quickly. Number one, look back. You ask me, look back. What do you mean by look back? Isn't that negative? No. Look back in a positive way. Look back in praise and gratitude. Because if you look back, you will see what God has done for you in the past. Amen. And that's what Vincent and I and his friends and family are doing at this point. Looking back. Scripture. Let's quickly go through it. Psalm 136. I'm not going to read everything, but you will get the message here. It starts with, all give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Then he went on to say, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercies endures forever. Then he says to him, who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercies endureth forever. Then he went on to talk about the one who by wisdom made the heavens, stretched forth the earth, created the lights, the sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night. Hallelujah. And then the psalmist went on to talk about the deliverance of the children of Israel. Talking about God smiting the Egyptians firstborn. Not only that, he brought them out. And basically what is happening here, the psalmist is looking back and appreciating what God has done in times past. I'm sure you get the message. But you know, if you go through Psalm 136, it's basically taking us to look back and appreciate God for what he has done. And that's one thing that we're doing in this season of waiting and trusting God for my friend's miracle. And I want to challenge you. You might be here, sat down and saying, well, look, actually, Babs, I get what you're saying. I've given my life to Christ. Hallelujah. Um, I have faith. I have believed God. But it's not happened. I'm challenging you. First thing, look back in praise and gratitude. What's the next point? The second thing, look sideways. There you go again. What are you talking about? Look at the great things that God is doing in the lives of people around you. Look at the testimonies that are coming from around you. And I'll quickly give a testimony here. This happened here in BCC. 
Uh, one of our sisters some time ago um, took ill and it quickly got worse. And at some point, I think if I remembered vividly, she couldn't even remember what was, she didn't know what was happening. She was unconscious. And the pastors, the elders, you know, lifted her up before the congregation and we prayed for her. And things began to take a positive turn. At some point, there were considerations that she would be amputated. But over time, things got better and better and better, and she started coming back to church. She was on crutches for a bit. And I remembered vividly one Sunday, I was there at the back of the church, and I saw her, and I said to her, see what God's done in your life. At some point, you were unconscious. Then things got better. You were on crutches. It seems as if you're going to be on this for a very long time and all of that. But that Sunday, whilst I was talking to her, she was actually putting on heels. I was like, amen. And you know what? Hallelujah. Whilst we wait for my friend's miracle, I always reference this testimony to say it was bleak. But look, God has done that. What am I saying? Look backwards. Whilst you're waiting, in thanks, in gratitude, in appreciation, look sideways. See what God is doing in the lives of the people around you. See the great things. See the miracles. See the blessings that God is giving to people around you. The next thing I expect or I challenge us to do or that we're doing is to look up. Hallelujah. Look up. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross for you and I, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. Psalm 121. I love the psalm so much. I was saying in the first service, I was raised by my nan. And she was, I think... One of the people that helped me towards faith, but it wasn't directly through her, but she set for us a very solid foundation in Christianity. She loved the psalm so much. And this psalm is one that encourages me to look up in the time of waiting. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? It says, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot. I'm personalizing it here. To be moved, he that keeps me will not sleep nor slumber. Amen. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. The sun shall not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Look up. Amen. Psalm 34, verse 1 to 5. I'll go straight to the point. Verse 5, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Hallelujah. The last point. Let me do a quick recap. You look back in praise and gratitude. You look sideways to draw inspiration, faith from the testimonies around you. You look up to the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith. Last point. Look forward. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Remember Jason's message a few weeks back on the miracle of the raising of Lazarus. 
It was from him that I understood that Bethany meant the house of affliction. And Jesus turned that around. Amen. Do you know what? Job is a man that inspires me from scriptures. Despite all of his afflictions, him standing strong and courageous, looked into the face of his challenge at the time in Job 14, 14 and said, looking forward, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change comes. Hallelujah. Now this scripture, I cannot but read it from Start to finish, Habakkuk 3, verse 17. And this is one scripture that Vincent and I hold on to, we share, we talk about it a lot of times. When the result comes and it's a bit challenging and it's not looking like what we're expecting, we remember Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall there be fruit in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, the field shall not yield any meat, the flock shall be cut out. Yet, verse 18, will I rejoice in the Lord? I will joy in the God of my salvation. Coming back to the ultimate miracle, the salvation of your soul, the salvation of my soul. But you know what? We take the light in God's word. Verse 19 says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the hind's feet and it will make me to walk upon my high places. In closing, I want us to trust God, who has set eternity in our hearts, and given, I made a plan for us to get to heaven, that he hears our prayers, and I want us to approach the throne of grace this morning in humility and reverence. If you're here in this auditorium this afternoon, and you've not had a personal encounter with Jesus. You've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want you to seize this moment as we all bow our heads. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or come to the front. But I just want you to make a decision for Jesus. We're going to see about eight people being baptized today, coming to profess their faith in Jesus. This is an opportunity for you. Let's bow our heads. If you're in this congregation and you wish to give your life to Jesus, if you're on the live stream, I just want you to just place your, heart upon, your hand upon your heart. As I pray, Lord, for as many as are convinced by your word this afternoon and would like to start a relationship with you, I pray for them, Lord, and I ask that you would help them to draw close to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, your son died on the cross of Calvary that we might be forgiven. Pray forgiveness of sin, and I pray the grace to walk with you in Jesus' name. If you put your hand upon your heart and you want to give your life to Jesus, please feel free uh, to see any of our pastors or any of our hosts so that we can continue to talk to you and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. As I round up, if you've been waiting on God and trusting God for healing, for anything, for some miracles, some, some situation in your life that you're trusting God for, I want us to remember going back again two weeks ago when Dr. A.E. preached here on the healing of the leper. He said something. He said, our high priest Jesus is not only able 
but he's willing. Amen. He's not just able, but he's willing. Hallelujah. As I round up, I put the scripture to us. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of help. I want to challenge you. It's tough. It's difficult. Remember the four steps. Look back in praise and in gratitude. Then you realize that God's always been there. Look sideways. See what God is doing in the lives of others. And let it propel you and inspire you. Look up to the hills from whence comes your help. And finally, look forward. Let us rise up as we pray.